0: Morning, we're continuing the conversation about being all in. And the first week that I shared back in first Sunday, November, we talked about how we're all in for Jesus and we're all, all in for unity. And then last week we had Fred L. Graham give a fantastic message and, and preaching about are you really all in? And how you saw yourself a part of being in the community, and how Paul was transformed from a soul that would not be qualified maybe to preach in the Nine Methodist Church, but he found himself qualified at that time to, to bring new people into, into Trinity. And he was all in. And the question was, are you really all in? Well, this Sunday we are looking at uh, all on the same team. And as we work together as a team, uh, we have different plans, different plays, different purposes for each one of us individually. But all of us, As Trinity Church, we're all the same team together. Taking one step together, on a spiritual journey together. And when we are a team, that's when things are transformed. So the scripture that uh, I see this morning, and you heard the scripture from 1 Corinthians 7, but it really is this one verse, and I'm I'm going to read it uh, for you, uh, verse 17, where it says, Don't be wishing you were someplace else, or with someone else, you are right where right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Now I think as part of the message this morning, we're going to be talking about contentment. And uh, there's three things in our world that seems that repel us. It's it's money, it's sex, and it's power. Those see those three things seem to be on the burners. 24-7. When we look at ourselves, we look at our society, we look at the church, I see this, this one verse as a way as Christians we can navigate when it comes down to money, when it comes to sex, when it comes to power. Are you truly all-in? All-in for the message of Jesus Christ? All-in for the mission of Jesus Christ? And here we come to the first point, and as as was talking about if you want to follow the outline, there's a lot of blanks this morning, but you want to fill them in, that's, that's right here for us. And uh, looking at number one is to choose to cultivate contentment right where you are. Choose to cultivate contentment right where you are. Looking at the first part of that verse. And don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Choose to cultivate contentment right where you are. Well, I kind of see contentment broken down into four different areas. When we look at contentment and cultivating that, first is is gratitude. Aren't we glad that um, each year we have a Thanksgiving week or a weekend to give thanks for our family and friends? Uh, Just last Thursday, or just a couple days ago, I guess, actually, a couple days ago, I was eating leftovers. And I was eating that were out of a uh, package. And I said to myself, man, these are really good mashed potatoes out of a package. And I realized, Kurt, Kurt, next Thursday, you're going to have your mom's mashed potatoes and noodles. I said, what are you saying is the best, best mashed potatoes you've ever had? No. Next Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, is when I'll have the, the best mashed potatoes I'll ever have. First and foremost, if we choose to cultivate contentment, Gratitude, thankfulness of blessings that God has given us. How has God blessed you? How can you give God thanks for that one thing, those things, the people in your lives? Cultivating contentment is cultivating gratitude. And the, second, the next one is, is boundaries. Cultivating contentment with boundaries. What are boundaries? Well, you've probably, yesterday, at some point, or another, you passed through the living room while your, your spouse is watching a football game, and there's boundaries as relates to the rules. The boundaries of a football field. There's 100 yards, and there's a boundaries of a field. That's how you play the game. Boundaries, rules. The cult of contentment is living within the boundaries. The boundaries of life. The boundaries, if you're married, of marriage and covenant, Boundaries of your economic income. If you make $100 a week, and you spend $200 a week, aren't you outside your boundaries? Cultivating boundaries to me is minimizing your wants. So when you cultivate contentment, you're minimizing your wants. Don't you love like Christmas time? A grandchild or a child, or whatever. What do you want for Christmas? And they rattle off like 20 different things of what they want for Christmas. Well, Johnny, how how about thinking one or two of what that might be? And then when you get our age, our kids ask us, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Oh my gosh, i got to think of something. What am I going to think of? Ask my kids to give me for Christmas. And then I thought of it. Caribou coffee. I kind of like Caribou coffee. But if you minimize your wants and you live within the boundaries, you have a grateful heart. Because you're always thinking about one this, one this, see that, see this. The boundaries are endless and you're never satisfied. Cultivating contentment is living within the boundaries of your human existence. About battle this is is the Christmas season just right when Halloween uh, was over, Christmas started, right? In the stores. And all the different TV commercials about things that you get for Christmas. And We shop all times, we see how uh, the husband or the wife got a car for Christmas. I haven't met that person yet that got a car for Christmas. Maybe you know that person, but you have to find that person. Our society cultivates more ones. Consumerism. As it relates to things. Money. Sad. <laughs> Cultivating contentment also is patience. What if you just, what if you were just have, you would just have just a little more patience. Just a little A, a thumbnail full of patience. I bet you that to go a long way. Patience with yourself. Patience with your spouse. Patience in in your work. People you live with, people you work with. Patience. We all need a little more patience. Our country needs a little more patience with one another. Patience cultivates contentment. Final, finally, sex. See, in 1 Corinthians 7, the big problem was sex. Marital Sex Single, not single Being with prostitutes. Status. And well, Paul, when he was writing this, he knew he was getting himself in deep mind. And he kept on writing they get on writing. And Paul, the fewer the words, the better. When it comes to marriage status, our culture today is consumed sex. Consumed. That's why I titled you know, the first verse there, Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. There's something to say about your present, present status, your place in life, being content right where you are, and seeing the benefit of that. Being single, Being married. Searching for spouse, searching for love, searching for relationships. I know it's hard, it's very difficult when every other commercial centers around it. But what if we were to cultivate contentment by being satisfied with our present status, our present place, our present relationship? I believe that would go a long way to cultivate contentment well here's where it comes down to contentment doesn't come automatically it's a process we learn one step at a time boy I wish I was content Pastor Church. you can't compare yourselves with others God desires only for you to look at yourself at your place at your relationships and take that one step to cultivate Contentment one step at a time. Well, I think we've learned this from Paul, Philippians 4. I have learned. So contentment is a learned behavior. It's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that, that's given. Okay, now God says you have contentment. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I have learned. I'm hoping to pray that we as disciples, as disciples, it's learning. intentionally learning how to be the best person God created us to be. I have learned to be content. So we need to choose to cultivate contentment. Let's look at the second one. Let me pause here and say that uh, as a reminder. We're all this together. We're all on the spiritual journey together, one step at a time. We're all together all together as the body of Christ. Learning how to live together as a church, as a community. Learning how to move forward together. And part of that is being content. Let me just add, contentment does not mean complacency. Contentment does not mean Complacency. When we're content, we're leaning forward. Complacency, well I have all I need, you worry about what you need, and that'll be that. Contentment is moving forward together. Well, the second idea around uh, contentment is view your circumstances as God's place for you to flourish. Scripture in 17 says, where you are right now is God's place for you. Now did you know that? Right where you are right now is God's place for you. Okay, it's so from the context of the Scripture, that's, that's our sexuality, or our marriage status, or our power, or our sex, or uh, the things that influence us from a Christian perspective. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Pastor Kurt, I'm in an awful place. I'm hurting here. I'm in pain here. I'm suffering here. And you're saying this is the right place right now. You may not be able to change your circumstances, but you can change the way that you look at them. You may not be able to change your circumstances. You can change the way that you look at them. Have you heard this illustration? There was this guy walking down the street. He falls in a hole. And the walls are so steep he, he can't get out. A doctor passes by. Oh, it okay. be Dr. Max Higgins. Hey. The guy shouts out to Dr. Max, hey you! Can you help me? Out? Doctor Max writes the prescription, throws it down the hole, and moves on. Then a pastor comes along, Pastor Kirk, by the way. So the Max says to get back to me. Pastor Kirk comes along. The guy shouts up, "Hey Reverend, I'm down in this hole. Can you help me out?" The pastor writes the most beautiful prayer on a piece of paper, throws it down the hole, and moves on. Then a friend walks by, down the, hole, the guy down the hole says, Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. The guy says, Are you stupid? Now we're both stuck down here. But the friend says, Yes, but I've been down here before. And I know the way out. You may not be able to change your circumstances, but you can change the way you look at them. Which person are you in this illustration? Are you the person down the hole? Or are you the friend? That's what we need to jump down in the hole and help change the circumstances of the person who feels stuck. Now the biblical illustration is where the two disciples were walking to Amegas after Jesus was resurrected. And they were commiserating with themselves, Poor us. What are we going to do without the Lord and Savior? What are we going to do without Jesus? And this fellow comes alongside them and walks with them, and they do not recognize it is Jesus. They start sharing their story. They start sharing their problems. They start sharing how stuck they are. It wasn't until they have dinner around the table that Jesus, when he breaks the bread, they recognized that this man that they were talking to was Jesus Christ, and their eyes are opened. I had to believe that moment they became unstuck. Now the moral of the story, friends, along with sacrifice, wins the day. When are you going to jump down the hole to help a friend? When are you going to take a chance and connect with a person that you know Surface, uh, surfacely, but you have a relationship with them, and Trinity Church can be the place where you can find new life. You may not be able to change your circumstances, you can change the way you look at them. May another way of saying this is you have a God story inside you ready to be shared. Margie from Shared with Me. I think last Sunday or maybe a few days before that, I said, Pastor Kirk, let me just tell I was I was down in the London Derek here here in, here in Brandon Preach, and I saw a friend, and this friend was describing this, this situation with me and how God answered her prayer. And I told I told her, Margie's saying, I told her, now that's a God story. Margie gets it. She's looking out for God story. She is a God story. She's a walking God story maybe that's why we see contentment in her face that's why she's patient with those around, around her that's why she's willing to jump down a hole and help someone out did you know she recently lost her husband it's been over a year now did you know wow she's still hurting she she sees her is differently. She's a God story. I believe you have a God story inside you and ready to be shared. Hebrews 13. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, and scripture is quoted: I'll never let you down. I'll never walk off. And leave. That's a promise God has for humanity and for each one of us. We're all on the spiritual journey together. And we're going to take it one step at a time. It's contentment, not complacency. There's a place for questioning. That we need less and less unbelief when we're journeying together. As a place for questioning, being inquisitive about the process, there needs to be less and less unbelief. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Third and final thought here is around around contentment. Give the Lord your undivided attention for maximum impact. The last part of the verse says, Live and obey and love and lead right there. God, not your male status, defines your life. So contentment is about hanging on to the healthiest. Letting go of those things that hinder and seeking to live and love well. God is the one who defines your life, not your status, not your place in life as it relates to your job, the amount of money you have in your checking account, the money you have in your pension fund, the money that you, you see you're going to use in the years ahead. That, that is not what defines you. God is the one who. It's not your sexuality or your sexual status or your marital status or your singleness or your your individuality when it comes to sexuality. It's God who defines your life. It's not the title that you possess, not the power that you have, it's not the things that you can push people around that define you. It's, It's God who defines you. Contentment is seeing those things and holding on to the healthiest and beginning to let go of the things that hinder and seeking to live and love well. I think the question for us this morning is as we begin to move toward contentment is what's the one big thing in your life? What's the one big thing that keeps you from being content? that could you move out that one big thing and take care of it, and what would that look like? I believe God is bigger than that one big thing. When I allow God to define my love, your love, our lives, So what is that one big thing? Fear of the unknown, that's one big thing. Voice of unbelief. That's the one big thing. No way of saying it's doubt. I doubt that you can do anything right. I doubt this world. Maybe the one big thing is the feeling, the feeling of unforgiven sin. Maybe God's already forgiven you. God's already forgiven. But there's, you're still, God, did you really forgive me? Did you really forgive me? Unforgiven sin. Yeah. Or the feeling that God is bigger than one big thing. Here's where, here's where change happens, I believe. A season of contentment becomes a catalyst For maximum impact for the kingdom of God. When you begin to get at that sweet spot of contentment, when it comes to sex, when it comes to money, when it comes to power, when we're at that season of contentment and we're content for that moment, that is a catalyst for maximum impact for God's kingdom. And that happens, just imagine the money that's freed up. Just imagine that when our sexuality, that our, our mind's not consumed with sexuality, that, that it's freed up for other things. Imagine wow, instead of getting a head, getting a title, how we use that energy for maximum impact, impact of God's kingdom. You see where I'm going? You see where God's leading humanity? A devout life does bring wealth. But it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Simply being yourself before God. Being yourself in your status. Power, sex, money. Living within the boundaries. I mean, you mind, we're all together. We're all broken here. As broken people, we have a savior that heals us. Let me just give you insight, because uh, I think I'm talking to the choir, preaching the congregation knows that, but there are countless individuals out who have a hard time understanding. How can I get, get through the next day? Because I'm suffering here, I need help. When we're all on the spiritual journey together, Take one step together. We began to transform the church to be seen as a loving community, a non-judgmental community, a content community with, with possessions and things that we have, so that we can share them freely and graciously and lovingly. How is God calling me? How is God calling you through today's message? And. In your outline, there's, there's three responses. You pick one, or two, or all three, but you can write it down in that blank line, but you're going to turn into the connect card just so it can connect with you. You can choose I will share why I'm grateful for my present situation with a friend or family member. For well, the next opportunity coming up these next few days, to share it with your family. Share it with an important person to verbally communicate that. I verbally communicate that is is a statement itself. Or maybe you want to write it down. I will write out my God story to remember how God allowed me to flourish despite difficult circumstances. Wow. Writing out your own God story, how God worked in your life, how God answered your prayer, how you faced the fear, how you were forgiven, how you were transformed in the midst of the persecution that you felt from, from the devil, and, and how you were transformed by that. I see yourself transformed if you were to do that. The, finally, the final one is I will, I will let go of the one big thing that hinders me from having a season of contentment. An act of letting go is allowing God to fill in the empty space. And God to do a, a great thing, a divine thing in your life. Well, let's pray before we pray at I feel like I need to get connected to you. I'm sorry. Let's pray. Dear God, we just ask that you would just allow your spirit to move and hang your way among us. And we know that uh, you, will, you will work and you will have your will in your way uh, with us as we move forward. In Jesus' name.